In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Good morning. Do you have money issues or do you have teen issues? Today we are covering a couple of those hot topics. Those are hot topics. They are hot topics, (laughs) especially because we have both. We have money and we have teens. Well, welcome to Girlfriend, a great place to connect and girlfriendify your life. We're Lisa and Patty, and today our first guest is Rachel Ramsey Cruz, the daughter of personal money management guru Dave Ramsey. Well, I met Rachel at a youth conference this summer, and our church just had Dave Ramsey speak and initiate the Financial Peace University there. Yeah, and you came home from the summer just really raving about her, and it was such a coincidence. We were like, okay, well, a month from now, her dad, Dave, is coming to our church and speaking and kicking off everything. So we've had... A lot of interaction with um, with Dave Ramsey and, and all of the people that we just love there. So we're so excited to talk to Rachel today. Welcome, Rachel. Yes. Hey, everyone. How are you doing? We're doing good. Doing good. And good, Rachel, good. you gave some great stories when I heard you speak over the summertime. And um, I just wanted to, like, sit in the corner and just delve into those, those stories. Was that, that interesting? No. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to ask you, well, first of all, what is it like to be the daughter of Dave Ramsey? That's funny. I get that question a lot. Knew you were going to ask it. No, no, that's great. You know, it's, to be honest, growing up, I felt extremely normal. I mean, nothing really stood out. I mean, mom and dad obviously made us work as kids, and, you know, we had to pay for our car when we turned 16, which was different than my friends. But other than that, I felt pretty normal. I mean, mom and dad were... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were and, normal. Yeah. Well, you, you gave a great example of a story um, when you started out early in life on balancing checkbook, and um, <laughs> one of the stories was how you had a bouncing, you had a rubber check, and yes. uh, what, what your dad did in that scenario. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story? Absolutely, yes. I had my checking account, I think about two months at that time, and got a letter in the mail and it was informing me that I bounced three checks now. Oh. And how old yeah. were you at this time? Oh, I was 15. 15, yeah. okay. So Dave Ramsey's daughter bouncing three checks. Was how do you tell your dad that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I just handed it to him in shame, you know, just gave him the letter. And, I mean, I had no excuses because I did it, you know. And he read it, and he, he did well. I mean, he didn't yell. He wasn't mad. He just simply said, okay, Rachel, well, you're going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to call the bank first thing in the morning and you're going to ask to speak to the executive bank branch manager and set up an appointment with him. And you're going to go down to the bank <laughs> oh, in person 
Yeah, and apologize to him for lying. And you're 15. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, as a 15 year old kid, I'm like, seriously? Really? He's I like, love oh. the fact that he literally said and apologized to him for lying. Cause yeah, because I told him that I had money in his bank to spend, and I didn't. And, yeah, he claimed that as a lie. So Yeah, because we do. We live in a culture that that's, that's just what everyone does. That it's not Absolutely. not considered yes. a, a lie or something wrong. Well, we never right. want to see ourselves as liars. <laughs> yeah. No, no, not at all. And learning that lesson at 15, obviously, has been, has been huge. So. But, yeah, I did. I went down to the bank at 15 by myself, walked to the office of the executive bank branch manager and sat in a big leather chair in front of his desk and uh-huh. <laughs> looked at him at 15 and said, I'm sorry for lying to you and your bank. Now, were you by yourself when you did this? I was. But, you know, I couldn't even drive to the bank. I was only 15. Oh, so my, my mom goodness. had to take so me. So you have she, a parent waiting on the car. Yeah, yeah. She dropped me off like I'm going to school or something, you know, and walked into the bank and... You know, it may sound extreme. I mean, I'm so, sure some people are like, really? He made you do that? But, you know, learning that. I never that, forgot yeah. that, and here we're talking about yeah. it years later on the radio. Isn't that funny? I know, I know, and I haven't bounced a check since. So I yeah, for sure no, learned my lesson. You wouldn't want to have to go back to that leather chair experience no, again. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> learned responsibility, that's for sure. Well, that is such a great story, and I know I had two teenagers sitting in um, uh, the stadium when you were speaking, and hmm. I thought so many times we we give them those excuses, and they're not considered a liar for um, you know doing something like that. And also, I I see with our kids, um, we give them a commission, and sometimes if they haven't earned that commission, they will ask. Can I borrow ten dollars now and I'll pay you back when I get <laughs> paid? And we so often go, yeah, that's fine. You know, you really want this, and so we we do teach them just even in that. And yeah, sure, you can borrow ten bucks. Rather right, than right. Oh, you can't have that instant gratification. You need to wait until you've earned that money before you purchase this item. Exactly. Um, I think one of my favorite stories my dad tells us was my sister, and he. You know, we had to save up and pay for our toys, some of them, you know, and we, she was saving up to buy Celebration Barbie. And she went to the, they went to the toy store and it was, you know, $15 and she only had 10 You know, and these big eyes looked up at him with tears and he said that was the first time he had, you know, to say, we can't do it. You, you know, you can't do it. Next week we'll come back when you've done, you know, some more chores and earn some more money. And, and that was huge as him as a parent. And I'm sure that's hard and difficult. Yeah. But... You know, learning that at that age, I mean, that's just, it's huge, so. Well, and that is so cool because we, you know, we were talking, as, um, it's just you've seen our society with the economic down, you know, spiraling down. Before that, it was like, you see, you saw so much excessiveness just in spending and parents spending on their kids and kids coming to think that it's their right to have certain things. And, um, and, it, and it's hard when you're the one telling your kids, no, you have to earn that. And so... I think so many times it's hard for parents when they have this ideal and, and you go, this is how we should be doing it. And, and so many people are going through, like, financial peace and, and trying to learn how to manage money. And yet when, other, when their friends at school are going, well, they, they don't have to work for their, you know, they just get it. And it, it is right. really hard to, to communicate with your kids to go, you're going to appreciate this someday, this lesson. But at the time it's really hard because it is so much easier to give in to your kids. Oh, than absolutely. Really you know, stay on the line with them. Yes, yes. But well, I, I've also tonight. noticed, even in, in my neighborhood, the, the value of a dollar to your kids where a neighbor will say, can you come over and take care of the ferret? 
you know, or you can, can you come over here and watch or, you know, water the dog and over the weekend and they'll pay him like $40, you know, an astronomical amount of money. And it's teaching them that, gosh, I do this little five minute job here and I can get this much money. So when they really have to work for minimum wage, it's, it's very depressing to them. So we don't realize as adults what we're doing by we think we're being kind. And instead, we're just setting, up, setting them up for, for failure. Right, So what right. was your first money-making job? My first money-making job? Gosh. I can remember being young and taking my Halloween candy out to the... <laughs> Out on our road when runners would run by, you know, in the morning yeah. or afternoon, I'd, I'd offer them a piece of candy. So you were kind of an entrepreneur then. Yes. Oh, very much so. You know, I had a job uh, as a junior in high school at the mall over Christmas break, and I got the check, you know, my first week of working, and I looked down at it, and just like you said, it was minimum wage, and I thought, seriously, is that really, is that it? So mm-hmm. I learned quickly that, that I want to be my own boss. I mean, I want to be the babysitter. I want to be the dog walker. I want to make my own hours, work as much as I can, you know, and... And work for those, you know, ten dollar an hour babysitting jobs because that's huge. So ever since I remember when we we always worked. I mean, obviously we're not mom and dad weren't slave drivers by any means, but right. you know we learned the value of how to work and learn the value of a dollar. You know, when you work, you get paid. When you don't work, you don't get paid. You know, it's a grand idea. Well, and that's such a that's such an interesting concept because I think like so many times as parents we want to give our children so much, and and we don't want them to suffer. And you see that so many times with parents. It's like they. They either overcompensate for what they didn't have and they want to make sure their kids have it, and they don't realize what they're teaching. And um, Have you seen that show? I think it's called Sweet 16, where they do yes. the, the 16th birthday parties, and they yes. show these elaborate parties they do for, for girls turning 16. And oh, gosh. It's I, well, it's amazing. The other day I, I saw that on, on the show. I was flipping through the channels, and they had this one gal, and, um, and this gal and her mom were, were cake shopping, and they were cake shopping at one of those, you know, really high-end cakes where they do these, you know, customized cakes that are more like a piece of art than a piece of cake, you know? Right, right. Cake alone was $3,000 for her 16th birthday party. And I'm watching this and going, first of all, that's more than most people at their wedding for a cake. And then what oh, do you yeah. a child that at 16 you get all of this extravagance? How do you maintain that? You know, that's what that's the thing because either – that, that girl, she's going she's gonna to have to marry somebody that's going to give her that kind of thing, or she's going to be disappointed, or you're setting them up for disappointment in life. I just Right, and that's what frustrates me is that's what's being fed to my generation. You know, we're sitting here watching all these shows with celebrities or even nor- or quote-unquote normal people on shows like, you know, Sweet 16, and they're getting all this stuff, and that's what we're being fed. So our generation already thinks that we're entitled to that. You know, oh, they're getting it, so obviously I'll get it someday, or, or I get it now, so they'll go and... You know, that's huge into getting into debt even as a college student. I mean, you want that gratification quickly and you seem like, they, oh, there it is. They're at a credit card, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, speaking of college kids, because we have two minutes before we go into a commercial break, but okay. I would love for you to share. We, we've had just in the last couple of weeks a couple of gals talk to us about when they got out of college. One was 20000 plus in debt and the other one was $30,000 in debt. So we would love just your insight on why is this, taking place? Why is this happening here? And can somebody get a, a really great college education without going in debt and paying, you know, paying it off the next 30 years? Because that that's really hard to do to, to work and go to school. And, and, you know, it, it, so, but it's, it's doable. It's, it's so possible to do that. But it, it takes effort. And I think so many times in our society, we don't want to have to put the work into 
trying to strategize and, and plan and to make the sacrifices needed to get ahead. And it's like you might not can have something right away. You have to delay it for a while, but we don't want to do that. And our kids oh. don't want to do that. And so we're, okay. we're seeing just a whole different mindset emerging. So when we come back, we would love to just have you just share from that perspective of if kids are in college, is, is that possible? And thinking to parents going, how much do we help our kids, you know, um, with their college education? Do, we, do they invest some? Do they, you know, we all have our own ideas of how we do that. But I think that, that is even good to know because that's affecting so many in this economy right now and, and even getting scholarships. So we'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Vision Onward is a mission. Vision Onward is passion. Vision Onward is compassion. It's God's power being shown in the world today with the guidance of the Holy Spirit through Jeff Holly and his family. And now, it's here on Toginet, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central. Vision Onward began over three years ago when Jeff and his family felt that after sitting in a church for years, they had come to a place in their faith where they were tired of sitting around and talking about their faith. They actually wanted to do something about it. So they decided to use their time, treasures, and talents that God had blessed them with to help those who have, by no choice of their own, been born into a world of poverty. So they walked away from the American dream, which they realize is actually a nightmare, so they can help others find hope in what seems to be a hopeless world. For more on Vision Onward, go to visiononward.org. This is truly a God-led adventure of the heart and humanity, making a difference for Christ. It's Vision Onward with Jeff Holly, Monday evenings at 9, 8 central on toginet.com. Christian work-at-home moms, here is your own show on toginet. It's CWAM, Christian Work-at-Home Moms, with Jill Hart and Diana Innan, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Um, I'd love to share with you just a little bit about how CWAM can help you, whether you are new to the work-at-home world and just starting out your search, or whether you've been working at home for a while and are looking to grow your business. Jill Hart is the founder of Christian Work-at-Home Moms, CWAM.com, and co-author of So You Want to Be a Work-at-Home Mom. Jill has worked from home from 2000 and started her home-based business to assist other Christians who desire to work from home while maintaining a godly life. And Diana Ennett with virtualwordpublishing.com. I really, truly want to see you succeed, want to share the joy that I have in being home with my kids and being able to build my own business. And she's ready to help you now. Christian Work at Home Moms with Jill Hart and Diana Ennett. Thursdays at 10 a.m. Central on Toginet. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back speaking with Rachel Ramsey Cruz and daughter of David Ramsey, personal financial manager guru. (laughs) 
And um, Rachel, we, we realize we're laughing over here because we're highly caffeinated just how much we are talking and um, we, we would like to hear all of your insights, especially just um, I know that you recently were married and um, you went through college and having to, um, like Lisa said, so many times you get out of college and, and you're, you have credit card debt over and beyond just your loans and, and everything else from going to college. How do you get out of that financial debt, or how do you stop from that ever taking place? You know, it is hard because the average college student is graduating now with $26,000 in debt. Mm. And 91% of college students have debt when they graduate. So, I mean, that's, that's an enormous number. It's huge. And like you said, the two girls that you talked to last week, those numbers, you know, my 26000 is an average of those two. So, you know, that is factual. And, and that's hard to swallow because I think what's hard is that our, my generation, the college students and even the high school students right now are the number one target of debt. So they are after us, and they're spending billions of dollars, you know, to, to advertise to us and even be on college campuses. And it's so prevalent. And so I think it's, it's huge, number one, is just to stay away from the credit cards, mm-hmm. you know, the free T-shirts, and they're even getting better. They're advertising food, free pizzas. You, get, you know, they'll pay for your dinner if you sign up yeah, for the credit cards. And that's like giving them gold. Oh, oh, my gosh, the best thing that's ever happened to you to get a free dinner. Yes, absolutely. So they're incredible marketers. They're doing, you know, they're right up their alley. So it's very easy just to go and sign up for a credit card. Very, very easy. So I think the number one rule is just to stay away from that. You know, stay away from the lie that you have to build your credit. You know, stay, you know, your debit card will do everything a credit card can do. you're, You're saying don't even sign up for a credit card. Do not have a credit card. No, no, absolutely not. Because See, and I didn't realize that your debit card, because that's the thing here, because I need to establish some credit, you know, and so they get, they get into that going, I've got to get a credit card and establish the credit, and then it, you know, just spirals from there. Right, absolutely, and that's a huge lie that my generation has fallen for, is having to build your credit. I mean, I heard this from my friends, my friends' parents, you know, and even my professors would stand in front of the class and say, make sure you're building your credit, build your credit score. The only reason to get a credit score, you know, is to go and get into more debt, you know, pay cash wow. for a car so you don't need a credit score and you can do manual underwriting for a mortgage. You don't need a credit score. And I think that's huge that, you know, because everyone is believing that lie right now. So, yeah, I would absolutely say stay away from credit cards and pay cash for college. There's a book out called Debt Free You by Zach Bizanet, and it is a wonderful book. It talks about how to go through college debt-free. And, and he did some research and showed that people who work 40 hours a week, which is a lot for that to be in school, but they have the average GPA as the average uh, graduating senior. Their, their GPA hasn't fallen because they're working, you know, and what, people who work 20 hours a week through school, they actually have a higher GPA than the average college graduate. So, yes, working through college is doable, but you don't get to live the college experience, you know. And going that's out a really and, good statistic, though, that it's actually, you know, on your GPA by if you're working. Because so many times you think, oh, I don't want my kids to work because I want them to just focus on their school. Right, right. Yeah, they may not have time to go party and watch TV, you know, but they yeah. uh-huh. still have time to work. And yeah. it's true. You really it's do very, have a lot true. of time in your day if, you, if you're using it wisely. Well, and, and my next question, what, what we see in the culture today, I, I know I have a 16-year-old, and he already wants, the cell phone, you know, the new droid that's out there, of course, then you're paying the $30 a month. And he knows he has to pay, he works, and he would have to pay for it. And you see that that's becoming the norm for them. They will work to pay for that, that great cell phone 
to pay for the Starbucks and the Bahama Bucks and, and all of that. And you're going, what, what is going on with our culture that they, this is almost like a necessity in their mind? Oh, absolutely, yes. And I think that's just what our generation's being fed. You know what I mean? All the cool gadgets coming out, I mean, it's just what they want. And they're being so heavily marketed to that it's easy to fall into that trap. Very, very easy. So, so how do you guide someone to, to like, what, where's the hope there? What do you do to encourage them and cast this great vision to go, you can have this if you don't spend that $30 a month on a cell phone and another $20 on Starbucks? What would you say to them? I would think first, as a parent, that it's okay to let them make mistakes. I mean, I think we probably did some stupid stuff as teenagers with our money, but mom and dad, you know, they didn't step in all the time and stop us. I mean, we learned, and looking back, you're like, oh, my gosh, why did I do that, you know? And you definitely learn from your mistakes. But I think just understanding and learning to delay pleasure, I think, is a huge concept that dad would always say. He'd always say the definition of maturity is learning to delay pleasure. And I think just... And even just living as an example as a parent, you know, us watching my parents and how they spent their money, you know, how they saved it, how they gave it away, I think was huge, too. So I think your kids probably watch a lot, you know, of what parents, of what their parents do. But I think just talking to them and having conversations and just kind of realize, you know, having them realize, okay, well, this kind of probably is a stupid purchase. Well, we all learn best from our mistakes. We've all had those those money you know, decisions we've made in so many times because we've made them. We don't want our kids to experience yeah. that. I don't know. Right. I haven't made any mistakes yet. In really? Life, so. uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, don't believe her. Her nose is going over here and right in front of me <laughs> as she's saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, but, it, but you know what it is? Because we don't want our kids to, to have to make the mistakes. I think that's such a great point. Let them fail sometimes because that's how they learn. They have to go sit in front of the bank manager in the leather chair. Right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Other lessons they'll take with them until they're 30, you know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So what are some, what is a point that you would, you know, I think one of the things when your dad was speaking and and just some of the stuff that you guys really endorse is being able to give. And so many times we can't give because we are so strapped in debt. And I think so much part of our, what's good for us is to be able to kind of exhale and give back and give back to people and to, causes and support, but you can't give if you're in debt. So learning how, how can, you know, learning how to give generously too by getting your, your house in financial order. Do you see that a lot? It makes a difference in people when people can start giving and just oh, absolutely, Absolutely. I mean, it changes the whole way you view the world. And, you know, I'm working primarily with teenagers, so they're, you know, not necessarily in debt. They usually have their parents' credit cards, you know, that's normally the circumstance. So even getting teenagers to grasp this idea that, you know, when you understand that people are more important than money, your whole paradigm in life shifts. I mean, completely. And, you know, they watch their parents, too, when their parents are struggling with money and they're not able to go and do cool things with their money to, you know, by cool, I mean, going and giving some away. You know, that's hard for them because there's not really an example there. But it's hard because their parents are struggling, you know. It's just this mm-hmm. cycle. So I'm trying to be the voice in our generation to show them that light that, yeah, you don't see, you know, the sweet 16 party and they're, they're giving their money away. You know, you don't see that ever. And, you know, to be that light and to say, gosh, your life will be so much more fulfilled if you understand that, that money, it's not all about the money. You know, if you can live your life with an open hand, how much your, your viewpoint shifts. So if you, if you, when you're talking to teens, I know one of the things that you said over the summertime was um, about encouraging them to truly put some money away. And I think so many times um, 
we are not teaching them at all that, okay, part of this money goes to God, part of this money goes into savings, and then this amount you can spend. So how do you go about encouraging them that if you save, this is, instead, like you said, delay the pleasure. What, what would be something that gives them the carrot at the end of the year? How do you usually teach them that? Do you, do you, to, do you show them how to buy a car or how to buy a house? What, what is your norm in explaining this to teenagers? Well, I show them, you know, things that they're going to want. You know, they're going to want a car when they turn 16. So even just breaking down the math and showing, you know, if you're 14 years old and you work X number of hours a week for $8 an hour, you could have $6,000 saved. You know, even just breaking down and showing them it's doable, giving them this realistic picture of, oh, my gosh, I really, I can do that. I'm 14, but I could do that. And I think breaking down and showing them that it is possible and that they need to because car generation, whew, we are awful savers. We, we do not save our money. And so I think even just, alluding to the fact, like, yeah, guys, we're awful at this. And I know it because I'm right there with you. I know we're awful, but we have to change our ways because, you know, if, you don't, if you're not saving, then you're turning to something else, which is normally the credit card or the car payment. And yeah. so kind of showing them the effects of if you don't save, this is kind of what happens. Not a scare tactic, but just a realistic tactic. Mm-hmm. Well, I loved how you showed your dream car and what it took to get that dream car. And it's not necessarily the dream car that you pull off of a, of a brand-new lot. And I think right. that's powerful, too. We always want the shiny new rather yeah. than, okay, you can get this, and maybe it's used a little bit, but it's, it's still your dream car. Absolutely. I mean, I got a $16,000 BMW when I turned 16 because I worked and stayed for half of it. You know, that was mm-hmm. dad's. Mm-hmm. He did the 401 Dave, he liked to call it. You know, however much we saved, he would match. <laughs> and, and that was huge. I mean, I was driving a little BMW, which is incredible for a 16-year-old. But granted, it was four years old, and it had smiles on it. But, I mean, that's, that's a great first car. And, and learning, yeah, you don't have to, you know, drive a beater. I mean, if, you, if that's all the money you have and you have to go get a $1,000 car, you know, that's kind of what you have to do. But you save a little bit more. Yeah, you can get a great Jeep Cher- Grand Cherokee. I mean, you can get some great cars. Yeah, that, see, I love that. When you showed them that, on here you are putting this money into Starbucks or you can put this into savings and this can be, you know, the carrot. Um, what would be, we, we just have a minute left before we go into our next commercial. What would be one tip, Rachel, that you can just share with um, parents out there on how to just help guide their teens in their, you know, financial um, bliss to be able to, to let them feel like this is a reward that they can, it's good to save rather, just going back to not, uh, or just delaying that pleasure because we are such a culture of instant gratification. Absolutely, yeah. I think even just sitting down and having a conversation, I think so many parents are so busy sometimes, but the issue of money doesn't even seem relevant at the time. So I think yeah. just talking to them, I mean, I think that, was a, that was the biggest thing mom and dad did for us is we just had conversations about it. I mean, they weren't cramming it down our throats by any means, but... You know, it's breaking down our everyday conversation, bringing it up and just reminding us, A, what you have doesn't define who you are. Your value is not in your car, what kind of car you drive. But, yeah, it's okay to work and to save and to get a cool car, you know, and understanding your value system first and foremost and even just talking about working, talking about saving, talking about living on less than you make, you know, all these things that they're going to bring with them into college, you know, when they're out on their own. They're not going to be lost wandering around. Well, thank you, Rachel, so much. And you can get to our site and find out more from Rachel. Thank you, guys. 
This is Girlfriended on Toginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend it Radio right after these. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. Come be a part of Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio. Her goal is to inspire you to be creative every day. Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on Toginet.com. Pat lives and breathes being creative through her quilt design business, but her creativity and interests have no bounds. On her show, she'll be introducing us to guests through interviews and talks that have a creative life. We'll learn more about what goes on in the world of quilting. And since Pat, like many of us, is creative in many ways, she'll also introduce us to creative people in other crafts like knitting, crochet, paper arts, and lots more. Pat is also an author, a lecturer, designer, and cheerleader of many. She's tried her hand at making almost everything you can think of and does many crafts to keep her inspired to create. Check out her website, patsloan.com. What makes Pat most happy is to inspire others to be creative every day. So join us for Pat Sloan's Creative Talk Radio, Monday afternoons at 4, 3 Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right. We just had a great conversation with Rachel Ramsey, and we had a blast this morning just finding everything we possibly could about um, how to get out of financial debt and how to guide your teenagers in not getting into a financial nightmare. And now we have Nicole Adele. And Nicole is a mom of six, including two-year-old triplets. She's a speaker to parents and teens, the host of Teen Talk Radio, and the author of a bunch of books. And I don't know, Nicole, when you have time to do all this with six kids, but um, obviously you are passionate about teens. And I have to ask you, did your passion for teens begin from a personal experience or just realizing the need in your own life when you were a teen? Well, it, you know, it is. It always, I think it comes back to personal experiences, everything we do that we're passionate about somehow, whether it's a need from our own life that maybe we'd like to help others uh, fulfill in theirs, or if, if we see a need in our own family, you know, and now as I've got these six kids who are growing and at different stages of their childhood or teen years, and one of them's even ready to go off into adulthood, he's 18, I just see there's such a gap in this society, in the home where parents are so busy and kids kind of, they get missed and they try and talk. I remember as a teenager, 
thinking I was communicating with my parents. And looking back now, I remember you know, one-word answers to questions and throwing out little nuggets and wondering if they'd bite. And if they didn't catch it, that's as far as it would go. So I would think I communicated. They would think I wasn't communicating at all, and they didn't know what was going on with me. And those miscommunications just create a vicious cycle, I think, in the parent-teen relationship. And that's kind of where I come from. Everything I do is with that motivation to try and bridge the gap between parents and teens. And Nicole, I love that, bridging the gap, because I, I don't know if you had a chance. We just were speaking with Rachel Ramsey, and one of her tips was just for parents to just dialogue with your kids. And so right. many times, even as they're, you know, getting out of college and you have one going off into that world, um, we, we're not talking to them even about money and how to right. manage your money. And so many times we, we work with a lot of women and they said they, they never had those conversations with their parents to, to say, you cannot purchase this if you do not have the money. <laughs> and that just seems... It seems so foreign, but if you're not dialoguing, they're not learning. Right. And, you know, having the money is one thing, but what about the rest of the week and the rest of the month? Are you prepared for that? And maybe you can spend all your money and buy that item, but are you, are you prepared then for what's coming down the road? Are you going to have gas money or are you going to come to me for it? And uh, those kind of preparations. And the dialogue is is really where it's at. And that's my book series, the one that's out right now, is based on, communication I had with my own kids. I, I started a game with them called, I called it scenarios. It was just a little made up thing I did at the dinner table kind of thing. And I would throw out a little scenario that was way ahead of what they were actually facing in school. Maybe I, they would be in third or fourth grade and I would be talking about, okay, let's say you're at a party and boys show up and, and you told me they weren't going to be there, and, but they show up and you didn't know and it's not your fault, but now what do you do? And I would give them or three or four answers that they could choose, and they would select one, and then we would discuss the outcome, what they chose. And that gave us the opportunity in a safe environment to work through some of the choices they might make and uh, talk about the consequences or the benefits and what would happen. And even making the right choice, as we know, does have consequences with your friends and peer pressure issues and teasing and things that go on in school. So we would talk about those things honestly and face them, and then as they grew older, as they've been growing older, they're facing some of those situations and they're more prepared to deal mm -hmm. with it. So the book series scenarios actually has those choice endings as the reader gets to that point in the story where the main character has to make one of those tough decisions. The reader gets to choose what she does and there are alternate endings. You so. know what? I think what you're talking about is so significant because it goes back to the dialogue and dialoguing with your kids and even challenging them. And, and pushing them and not always giving them the answers to things, but making them really wrestle through scenarios and what would I do and what is the best, you know, case. And I know for, for 15 years, my husband and I were in youth ministry, and I absolutely loved that because I found that when you, when you really um, became a safe person to those, to the, mm -hmm. to the girls and stuff, they so opened up because they're not having those dialogues at home. Right. And they're not having, they're coming from broken homes and, disengaged parents, and so they're looking for an adult who will really um, really engage with them and have that dialogue. I think they want to know. They want to be taught, but nobody's taking the time to really teach them and having those conversations, and the tough ones. Mm -hmm. That's right. So, yeah, so what are some of the things? I know you work with, with, um, with teens and specifically with a lot of um, teen girls. What are some of the 
the most frequent questions you get? Uh, well, it always seems to come back to my mom and I fight all the time. I hear that all the time. That, you know, anything that comes up, I say, well, have you talked to your, to your mom? Oh, we just fight all the time. She doesn't get me at all. And that's why it's one thing to reach out to teens, and, and that's fantastic, but it, they have to be able to take it home. And that's why I try and find environments and events and, and ways that I can get them together and talk to them together. Because if mom and dad or mom or dad, you know, it, it, whatever the case may be in that home, because we don't have a, as many dual parenting situations, but um, whoever is in charge, if they are acting appalled, Say, say the teenager is facing a choice and they're appalled that they might consider it or can't imagine. In my day, it wasn't like that. If they're acting like they're so far removed, then that teenager is just going to pull away. Yeah. They, they have got to admit the reality of what's going on and face the fact that the, the choice is possible. Their teenager can possibly do anything that's put in front of them. So they have to partner with them to make those good choices. And, uh, I just always encourage the teens who talk to me just to be open and honest with their parents. And it's hard because in this day and age, as busy as parents are, a lot of times they get shut down and it's so unfortunate. Yeah. Well, I, I know um, Lisa is a little ahead of me in, in raising her when her <laughs> daughter was a teenager. I was able to um, learn from all of her positive <laughs> things as well as from her mistakes. <laughs> Um, and one I'm of the here things, for you always. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you had to go first. Uh-huh. One of the things I have learned, I have a 14-year-old right now, is the, the temperament and just going through the, the personality. I know even on girlfriendit.com, we have a, a personality profiling test that you can go into, and that has helped when you are in the midst of that quarreling to step back and go, okay, you know, I've always heard, pick your battles, pick your battles, pick your battles. It's also how you're battling and that temperament that you're talking to. Many times, I know in with my daughter, she's responding to me because of the way I'm asking the question. And if I would have just worded it a little bit differently and just... a different tone. Yeah, with a different tone (laughs) and just that. It's, It's how you're dialoguing and how your approach on both of us. She might approach me one way and just guiding her and, and letting her know because mm-hmm. of your temperament. And that way it kind of removes it where you're not blaming them as an individual. Right. You're saying because of your temperament, this is how my temperament hears it. And you, it's like you can have a whole conversation about temperament <laughs> without <laughs> bringing it home to it's you and me in right. this disagreement. So I, I love um, that tip because you're so right. It's, really about having those conversations. And they have to, parents have to be willing to take the time to have those conversations when the heat is off. If they mm-hmm. wait until the pressure's hit and the, the teenager is overwhelmed or hormonal or already in the middle of a battle with, with friends, I'm, I'm not saying it's too late because there's never such a thing as too late. But if the groundwork had been laid ahead of time, by building that relationship when the heat is off, it would be much more conducive for those conversations when the heat gets turned on. Yeah. We, we always call those no-conflict conversations. Yeah. Non-conflicting yeah. moment is when you, you know, totally go under the table with great dialogue. Right. And I get convicted as a parent all the time. I work from home, and I'm busy, 
obviously. And um, I, I have to make sure my middle girls, they're 12 and nine. My son, you know, he's 18. He takes care of himself for the most part. He's doing his thing. And the babies are two. So they are in bed early or they're sleeping for their nap when I'm, when I'm working. So it's really easy to dismiss the 12-year-old and the nine-year-old when they come in the room for their turn. And yeah. I have to force myself. And sometimes I fail and I get convicted about it. And I have to regroup, but I have to force myself to close my laptop when they come, when they approach me to talk to me. I don't want to have a conversation with them with a computer screen between us because that's like saying the work that I'm looking at or whatever deadline I have or whatever I'm facing on that computer screen is more important. I'll give you a second, but then I'm going right back to my work. Okay. You you just convicted me, Nicole, because I, (laughs) same thing. I have that computer going all the time and you just, you become addicted to it. So when they're talking and they're usually bouncing around in the kitchen, I feel like, well, I'm here, right? (laughs) but I'm not really here because you are, you're having to answer emails. You're continuously on the computer. It's, it's difficult to close that because we think multitasking mode, you know, I can do it all at the same time. Right. But they don't get that. They think they're bugging us. And the first time you sigh, and I've done this where they'll come in the room, Hey mom, and I've just gotten the babies to bed. I've just, my husband has just left for whatever account he's doing or whatever work he's got going on. And my son's gone and I think, okay, I have a few minutes. And then one of them comes in, hey mom. And I sigh. And that sigh sends the message that everyone else in the house is important enough for me to take care of. But, you know, you, I don't have any time for you. And that's, that's a tough, tough thing with six kids because there's, (laughs) there's so many of them. So it's just, that's just my thing as a mom. I just want to encourage women who are listening to maybe organize the priorities a little bit. I try to, 3.30 is when all the kids are home. The babies are up. The girls are home from school. And I just try to close that computer and give the rest of the evening until everybody's settled. And then I start working again. So just my little thing. Wow. That is, that is truly a great um, tip to have. And we, we have 30 seconds left, Nicole. Uh, so what is just one quick tip um, before we go into our next segment with you that you can say to parents besides closing your computer down? <laughs> just start early. Um, you, you have no idea. We cannot grasp how early our kids are facing things that we can't even imagine. And you've got to start early with the conversations and assume that they're going to be faced with the pressure and face it. Love that, Nicole. And we will come back talking about that topic. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years. 
and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Mind Matters is the show that dares to ask what's on your mind. Take this opportunity to join Dr. Larry Ross, clinical psychologist and Joan Duhane, licensed clinical social worker, as they combined have over 50 years of experience in dealing with your mind. Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, only on Toginet Radio. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. All right, we are talking with Nicole Adele, and she is a teen talk expert. And Nicole, you, you ended the last segment talking about starting early. And I know um, I have an older sister who used to take her two daughters every summer away for the weekend from the time they were nine years old on and do the whole fun sex talk. And just that was a time where it was open game for questions. And that seems like, okay, just to take them away once a year isn't enough. But she said it was amazing how that one time would really set the, the platform in that stage where they would then feel comfortable to go to her later on, you know, and throughout sure. the year. But when you say start early, is that what you're talking about? Doing Absolutely. Doing sex talk early or what, what do we uh, do early? All of it, any of it. Um, think if, if your child has access to Facebook or a cell phone, talk to them about sexting and pictures and messages and contacts that they might receive, don't assume that they're just getting on that computer playing webkins because even though they may not have any intention to go to a site, if the Facebook window pops up, if they get a self, you know, you just don't know. And if they're unaware and it it pops up in front of their face, they are ill-equipped. They can't handle that. They don't know what to do with that. So if you're putting them in front of those mediums like Facebook, uh, cell phones and computer access and those sorts of things. You've got to prepare them and you've got to train them to use them appropriately and to, um, to understand the different pitfalls they might encounter. Yes. We, we expect, um, it's like our world basically teaches our kids rather than us coming along beside them. I know Lisa and I, we have a passion just for helping women do the remarkable. And many times, you know, we'll go into the strip clubs and just let the girls know there that there are people that care for them and, and love them. And my daughter picks up on snippets of this. And it was interesting because she's nine and she was on the webkins and apparently there was, you know, a little pop-up or of something. And she said, mom, some of those girls are trying to get a hold of you on the computer. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I realized, yeah. yes, needed to, to talk to her, and it was just—it was just an ad for right. I don't know. Um, it might have been toothpaste, but apparently to her, they look—they look like you know girls that would be in a club. Right. And so even that, they—they they know the difference. 
of yeah. your wholesome looking girl and this person who popped up and was doing an ad. So just starting them out early, even in those conversations. And things like alcohol and drugs, performance enhancement drugs. These, these teenagers, young, way younger than teens, are doing those caffeine shots and the little caffeine pills and the yep. uh, energy drinks, and it builds. And I wrote a book. One of my books is about a girl on a sports team, and she's, her, her mom's a single mom, and she's in this competition for a college scholarship, and uh, she's tired, and, and this, the use of this, um, these substances build until she's faced with the pressure to take speed at her state competition. And it shows, and, and this is just the reality of life and what we have to teach our kids is when you open the door to things and you start to let down your guard, it's too easy to take the next step. It's so easy to take the next step if they're not prepared for it and confidently going into those situations with their choice already made. Well, you, you know, um, this is this dialogue, and just, I think this is such a thing walking away because I know my kids are in their early, in their twenties um, right now, early twenties, and um, just looking back on just some of the conversations, the tough ones, and um, you know the the sex talks, and I think one of the things I just remember back then, even we think our kids don't know certain things, and the things that they are exposed to in school are just and and just out in the malls or wherever they are. We have no idea what in, they're being bombarded with. And I know even for my kids being in their 20s, even for the teens now and just, you know, a seven, eight-year gap, it is, it is a whole different world because even since my kids were teenagers, it, there's the whole Facebook world now and the right. whole social media has emerged. And so that's a whole other set of conversations I have with our kids. So even if somebody even has, like, some, you know, kids that are grown and then still has a teenager, those conversations are going to be very different. Mm-hmm. And learning Absolutely. how to, you know, how do you, how do we, that's where Patty and I are passionate to helping women go, how do we help empower and encourage and equip women to be able to have those conversations with their teens so they can, you know, so that there is that open communication, but giving them the right tools. So do you just find that with so many, you know, just the conversations even have to, our resources and how we, you know, talk to people to help them have those conversations are different. Absolutely. And if you think back years ago, moms were home. They weren't off working. They were home. They were around. Things like this didn't happen. Kids came home from school and a snack was waiting for them. And, you know, mom drove them around. They did what they needed to do and everything was wholesome. They were busy with with wholesome things. But now in a lot of cases, maybe most cases, moms are at work. They come home from school to an empty house. They've got access to their computers. They've got Facebook. They have all these things that are so different than what they were years ago. And you have to remove the parent from the situation so there's no protection in place. So it comes down to their choices where in the past they had guidance and they had um, restrictions because mom and dad were around. And now it's all about convincing them to adhere to our guidelines when we're not there. And we have to get them to buy into it and to buy into the desire to maintain a good relationship with us. One of my daughters, she's 12. Um, she, okay, she would say 13. She's going to be 13 this month. But she... Um, six kids. Yeah, with okay. that, yeah. Maybe you don't have to keep count. That's fine. <laughs> she is so worried about hurting our relationship. And that has come from me saying to her how much I look forward to her getting older and um, sharing on an adult level when she has her own kids and being you know, really close as she ages and and just talking about the potential of how that future relationship, mother-daughter relationship can be. 
And every time she does something that disappoints me or upsets me, she'll say, this didn't hurt your trust in me, did it? Or she's, that's her biggest concern. And, yes. and it causes her to make really good choices. She was spending the night at a friend's house uh, about a, a year ago. And she called home when they decided to watch a movie. She called home because it was the PG-13 movie. And she wanted to ask me if she could watch it. So I Googled it and read about it. And I, I didn't feel comfortable with it. And I told her no. And she said, okay, well, I'm either going to, they're either going to watch something else or I'll call you back to come pick me up. And that was it. She, they chose to watch something else and they let her, you know, they stayed, she stayed and, and it was all fine. And those types of things are such trust builders. Yes. So she then can see the results of that and say, wow, all I had to do was do something like that. And now mom trusts me even more and our relationship grows and, you know, and it's not always that perfect, of course, as we know, things happen. But um, along the way, just to see those little nuggets and to keep reinforcing how much of a benefit they are, I bring that up to her all the time, just to remind her that I still remember. And even a year later, it still has lasting effects. And, that yeah, I and share that, that's really people. important to just keep reminding them and, you know, and just encourage the positive. I think so many times, are, you know, we don't. And, and, and bring up the positive again, like you said, you were still talking about that was such a great decision you made at that time. And I know it was tough. And that's one of the things we instilled in our kids is that trust. You know, you have to earn that trust. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter was that temperament where she, um, has, she can feel guilty about anything. And she wanted to live on the edge, but she would come home and tell me everything. So I was really, I felt really good because I knew that, that that child had such a guilty conscience that she had to tell me everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of good because I, I also instilled in them that I would find everything out, and I knew it because I was a teen at one time, and we worked with teenagers, so there would be nothing that she could get past. Right. And I think she believed that. So, mm-hmm. um, it, But it is it's that dialogue and earning that trust. And that's mm-hmm. a great tip, Nicole, about going there ahead of time with your kids and letting them know how much you value their relationship. Because so many times our kids just see it as this, this parent-child relationship. And I'm not saying, I mean, there are definitely we have to be the parent. You can't always be the friend. But sure. I think even casting that vision, the same thing with my kids, they, they want that trust bank to be full. They don't want to empty that. They don't want to disappoint you. And right. when they know you value them and their relationship that you have and you, you encourage them with, I just love our relationship. I love the fact that you can tell me everything. I know my both of my kids will say, Mom, other kids do not tell their parents stuff. Like, yeah. I <laughs> would tell you this because you, you listen well, to what you, don't you have get, to say. You don't act shocked over things, too. I think that's how many times a parent will act, you know, this reaction will be one of shock, and it makes the kids go into defensive mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They talking. think that shock or acting appalled is going to train that child to – you know, that that's the wrong choice, but that's the exact opposite thing because it shuts off that relationship. It, it puts up a wall immediately when they have to rear back and say, oh, I just, I, you know, I shocked mom and I went too far. So next time I'm not going to go that far in what I tell her. Well, and they see it as a judgment call mm-hmm. too. You just judge me and you were appalled at me instead of just being calm and going, okay, and asking a question through it. We just find that so many times it's asking those questions, like you were saying about your dialogue, um, around the table that, you know, you, you ask these questions and scenarios. And so you help them come to the conclusion without us always telling them that what they should do, but you guide them through the questions to go to help them to see how they can make a better choice the next time. Right. And it does take effort. I think, you know, it's one of the ways it's hard. You just can't, 
you know, do the multitasking yeah. thing like we talked about. You really have to engage and you really have to take the time to invest and the time to know your child because each mm-hmm. one is different. Yes. Well, and it's hard to get them to open up. You know, when you ask a teenager, how was your day? What's the answer? It was fine. Right. Exactly. They, they don't come up with anything. So I always, every time we're sitting around the table, I say, or somebody starts it and it doesn't always, it's not always me anymore because they're so used to it. We say, what was your high low? And I'll ask, say, Natalie, I'll say, what was your high low today? And she'll tell me the high point of her day and the low point of her day. And sometimes they really have to stop and think, but I get to get that glimpse into their day that they wouldn't have shared with me if I hadn't asked. And then as she answers, she gets to turn to somebody else and say, what was your high-low today? And it goes around the table. And so we get to, they get to hear from us what excites us you know, as adults, me and my husband, about our day or what was a disappointment in our day that maybe I wouldn't have shared with them being kids. So uh, it works you know, to foster that communication that we're talking about. And that's, and that's such a great point because so many times we ask questions that are yes or no or I'm fine instead of going... I love the high-low tip. So that is a great tip, even to leave as we as we conclude our show today. And Nicole, we just so appreciate you coming on and just sharing your oh, heart and your for passion me. And, and for teens. And I know we have you on our site at girlfriended.com, and you also do Teen Talk here. Mm-hmm. And we can just find you all over the place. So we encourage those that are listening and moms to just just take notice and put some of the great points that you shared and get communication going, get dialogue, and maybe think of a question that you could ask your teen today that can get some good dialogue going as you uh, as you go into your day. So again, thank you so much, Nicole. And yeah, thanks um, for having is there me. one thing that you would want to leave, or where people can find you, that's the easiest? I'm NicoleOdell.com, and everything's there. You can find my books and the radio show and my blog and all that right there. NicoleOdell.com. Okay, thank you so much, Nicole, and thank you for listening to our show today. We can't wait to talk with you again next time. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show designed.